You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we'll focus on the top storylines from across the league as training camps are heating up around the nation and week one of the preseason is upon us. Plus, we'll tackle a story that's a bit unusual when we take you out of bounds. And Brian, let's get underway today with a member of the 1990s All-Decade team and a seven-time Pro Bowler offensive tackle, Richmond Webb. Richmond, thanks so much for taking the time. You had so many outstanding years with the Dolphins. Let's start there. Jay Cutler joking that he doesn't have to be in great shape because he's a quarterback. How smooth do you think the transition's going to be, considering Cutler played well for Adam Gase in Chicago a couple of years ago? Well, I think that's the key there is that they're both familiar with each other. Uh, you know, I think that was probably uh, a huge, huge in the decision to bring Jay Cutler in is that, you know, Gase already knows him and they had success together. So um, I'm looking forward to be a, a great thing for the Miami Dolphins. Jay Cutler, as of lately, um, Richmond has known to have injuries, be out for some time. Uh, there's a lot of confidence, obviously, after hearing your voice and obviously from the organization. Uh, do you really believe in this move uh, could get them really back to where they were and maybe even further considering how much he truly knows the system? Well, I, I don't know if it's the same system they ran in Chicago. Um, I, I think the thing that really concerned, you know, us as Dolphins fans is, you know, Ryan Tannehill getting hurt. And so um, I think, you know, we just kind of had to scramble. And I, I think the, uh, the coaches and the uh, scouts and everybody probably got together and said, you know, who's the best fit. And I'm sure Coach Gates had some input in that. And Jay has struggled the last couple of years when he wasn't with, you know, Adam Gates. So, um, I think people are really going to be paying attention, but um, I'm trying to be optimistic and hope for the best that we can get some of that, that same production that when they were together in, with Chicago Bears. We are chatting with Richmond Webb, the former NFL offensive tackle. Richmond, you know the AFC East well. And in fairness, the Dolphins have matched up well against the Patriots, especially in home games in South Florida. But considering the Patriots went 14-2, put together the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history and have loaded up in this offseason. How much separation do you see between the Patriots and everybody else? I, I think that's, you know, they set the bar year in, year out. And, um, you know, you can, you can at the beginning of, of the season, you can always know the Patriots are going to be in the playoffs, and that's probably the team in the AFC that you're going to have to go through. So uh, we're very familiar with them, but, at the same time, we've got to get much better in order to, you know, deep on the Patriots. So, um, uh, and you still got Tom Brady, and it's just hard to go against him. Not, you know, being a Dolphin fan, you're not crazy about him, but you have to respect what they've done over the years and the success they had. So, have a tremendous respect for the Patriots. That um, we just got to continue to put the pieces together to try to match up and then try to bring a division title to uh, South Florida. You guys had an opportunity to see this past weekend Jason Taylor get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, as a former player for this Miami Dolphins organization, how proud uh, were you to see that Jason actually was, was, was given the bus to be considered as one of the greatest to play the game for the rest of his life, let alone the message 
that he actually gave about his family not having a father and wanting to be that to his kids that he had down below watching? Yeah, uh, you know, I went out and, you know, like you said, teammate, and uh, I couldn't be more happier for him, a guy well-deserving of that honor. And, you know, that's the thing, uh, even listening to the different stories, the backgrounds of, you know, guys have made it there, and, you know, everybody doesn't come from, you know, wealth or whatever. A lot of guys had to struggle, but they've persevered and beat the odds. And so I think it's always encouraging, not only for me, but just people to hear that story. And, and it's no greater stage that you can, you know, get your point out at the Hall of Fame. So I thought he did an excellent job. Uh, I was very happy. And um, I think we all were. So it was good to see old teammates and all that. So we had a great time up there this weekend. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Richmond Webb, the former NFL offensive tackle. Richmond, you had so many great years playing in the trenches. So what's your assessment of the current offensive line in Miami? How much credit do they deserve for Jay Ajayi becoming a top five running back last year? Well, uh, I think they deserve some credit, you know, but, uh, um, you know, you can't take much away from from Jay, you know, the way he um, runs downhill and he – has such a physical style of running that um, I think it just kind of wore defenses down. So it's a collective group effort. And, you know, so if you got a good offensive line, good, good back, and, you know, receivers blocking down the field and all that, it all helps come together. And um, I was just happy for that young man. I think he went over 200 yards a couple times last year. So um, you put the work in, you know, you normally get the results. Uh, offensive line, I, I know Pouncey's got some injuries or something, so if we can get him back and they move Tonsil to left tackle, I think we'll be okay. When making a move like this to get Jay Cutler, what, you think, what do you think this does to Ryan Tannehill's future uh, with the Miami Dolphins? Uh, well, I know Tannehill's had some injuries. He got hurt, you know, right before the playoffs, and, you know, Moore came, stepped in and did a good job. But, um, you know, the NFL is you know, the NFL and a lot of guys, you know, even, you know, Cordell just playing and says, you know, not for long. So uh, I think as you get to, you know, be a little older, the injuries keep creeping in and stuff like that. And then if you, if you're, um, you have a huge salary or whatever, that's something that you, you're going to be looking over your shoulder. But if, you know, Jay Cutler comes in and plays real well, I think that may force the Dolphins to either go with a younger guy. I don't know if, you know, Jay wants to play another year or whatever, but it could um, create a little controversy down there. But it's it's too early to tell right now. But that is something you got to got to pay attention to. Richmond, last one for me. You played your college football at Texas A and M. Do you think a team is going to give Johnny Manziel another chance? Is he going to have to go to Canada to jumpstart his career? Uh, you know, the thing with with Johnny is. Um, you know, and I try to try to tell a lot of young guys. You know, the thing is, is anytime you get caught up in domestic violence, uh, the NFL is really taking that seriously. So um, he may get another opportunity. I don't know, but uh, if he does, he better walk squeaky clean because um, I think that's why it's taking him a while to possibly get another job after this. But um, that's why I try to tell guys. You know, domestic violence, especially against women or whatever. Um, it's like they have no tolerance for that now. So if you don't love playing the game, that's the quickest way to get out of it. So I'm, I'm hoping he gets another shot, but uh, I don't know. So I'll just have to wait and see.
Richmond, we appreciate the information. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today here on the NFL on TuneIn. Hey, thanks for having me. You guys have a great day. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, I'm Kelly Sutton from TuneIn Country Roads. Was it more love or war putting us together? I loved it, but it, it was war. Really? We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. Body like a News and interviews with your favorite country stars. When I first heard this song, I knew it was me. Kiss me all the pretty girls say. With all of your favorite new country songs, join me on Country Roads on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, focusing on the top stories across the National Football League. Brian and Cordell break down the biggest stories around the league as they kick off the opening drive on No Huddle. This is the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell, I don't spend a lot of time reading preseason stats because they don't tell the entire story, especially when we're talking about division of labor. So for Deshaun Watson, 15 of 25, 179 passing yards. The caveat would be he did it against the backups. Let's move beyond that and talk about your takeaways watching the game. You are the quarterback on this show. I'm just a guy with strong opinions who speaks loudly. As I was taking notes, I wrote down words, if I can read my handwriting. Poise, athletic ability, accuracy. Watson looked good to me. What stood out to you? Well, I mean, it's just, it's just his awareness on the field. Sometimes guys get under the bright lights and have that first moment and opportunity to do something, and, and they, they end up looking as if they're young and, and like they're like they're rookies, let's just say that. And, and I thought last night in comparison to Savage, I mean, you have one guy who played with the starting lineup and you another guy playing with the backups. And I thought uh, when it came down to Sean Watson playing, when it came down to decision-making, 15 or 21, had an opportunity to score a touchdown with his feet. Uh, I mean, that that's just what you, that's just what you want to see. Uh, can he get on the center? Can he get in shotgun? Uh, can he handle the handoffs? Is he carrying out his fakes? How's his footwork? Uh, is he throwing the ball with velocities? It looked like he's holding back just a little bit. Uh, rigor mortis of the arm when you're scared. You're not extending your arm and, and fully releasing the ball from your fingertips as you throw it. Uh, you saw everything opposite of that. He looked like he was comfortable in his own skin. And, of course, the more he plays, the more comfortable he becomes. And you have to assume when having the chance to see Deshaun Watson play with the starters, that you're going to get a chance to really see him play some pretty darn good football. So uh, with what I saw last night, honestly, um, I thought I saw a, a young kid who was uh, truly excited about his opportunity, uh, looked like he relished in the moment. Uh, he didn't look like he – he didn't look like he had that look where he didn't belong on the field because he was a rookie or the game was just too big for him. But he looked like he just went through his progressions, and, and I thought he handled himself accordingly. So um, all you can do is say he's trending in the right direction. Uh, the move they made to grab him in the draft, you can't question it. Um, uh, so you, all you can do is say we need to see more. And I think that's why you have the, the, the three – preseason games and back to what we were talking about about the preseason games potentially saying like what if they were to get rid of you know one preseason game and make it three or get rid of two and and make it two and then have the regular season be a 16 game season or at 18 games and have two bye weeks instead of at at, excuse me at two games make it 18 and maybe add an extra bye to where they have two uh bye week games uh two bye weeks excuse me 
I don't think you need to do that. I think that's why these preseasons come become so important because you have a QB competition with the Houston Texans, and I don't think these two quarterbacks are far apart other than the experience that we saw Tom Savage have last year. But that's why you play the game. That's why these preseason games are so important. It's not so much winning the games. It's just more the decision that you make while you're in because you're not having a chance to play a full 60 minutes of football. In fairness, Savage was efficient. At one point, he completed eight consecutive passes, finished 9 of 11, 69 yards. But after the game, most of the buzz surrounding Deshaun Watson. So let's take you to the press room. Here's Watson reflecting on his first professional action, albeit in a preseason setting. Professional football, this is the highest level uh, of, of this sport. So, um, of course, it's going to be faster, a lot you know, bigger guys, smarter guys. But at the same time, um, you know, I'm doing the same thing they're doing, watching film and trying to play fast also. So at the end of the day, it's still football. And you just got to go out there and operate and uh, do your job. Watson using his mobility to his advantage to find the end zone, and he was able to savor his first NFL touchdown. It's always good, uh, regardless if it's uh, a scrimmage practice, uh, preseason, regular season game, whatever it is. If you get in that end zone, it's hard to do, so it's, uh, it's a good feeling. We know that Texan head coach Bill O'Brien has a reputation for being a tough evaluator when it comes to quarterbacks. Let's hear what the headman in Houston had to say about his rookie quarterback after the game. He's a smart player. He's an instinctive player. First game out there, he thought he did some good things. You know, it's not, it's a big jump, you know, big jump from college to the NFL. And uh, I thought he handled it pretty well. Probably a couple things that uh, we could have done a different, differently. He could have played a little bit better on certain plays. But overall, I thought he handled himself pretty well for the first time out. Cordell, for Bill O'Brien, that is a glowing endorsement. No, no doubt about it, he can be tough on quarterbacks. Let me tee you up for our show question of the day. In your view, who's the better starting option for Houston? It's probably going to be Tom Savage because he's the incumbent, because he has a command of the system. But if I put you in charge, you're going with Savage or Watson week one? Well, you have to go with Savage. I mean, there's no reason to go with Deshaun Watson right now. I mean, you know, you take the guy that's had the, that, has the, that have the experience on the field – and you let the young kid learn. I mean, they, they moved up in the draft to grab him uh, at 12. So why would you uh, extend yourself too far because you're impatient to see this man, young man go out and play and start making some rookie mistakes when you have a young veteran in Tom Savage, uh, I think, who has a pretty decent handle on what they're trying to do. This is not a, 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 a situation where Tom Savage is, is, is trying to get the job uh, because the backup is not good. You know, it, it's one of those situations where they're, they're in a great place at the quarterback position. Both guys who are, who are really trying to find their way in the game, they like Tom Savage. I mean, at the expense of how bad Brock Osweiler was, of what, getting $72 bucks, And look how he stunk up the joint, 15 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Tom Savage is the king. And then you have Deshaun, and then you have Deshaun Watson, uh, who comes in as a young kid coming from Clemson, uh, winning the national championship against Nick Saban. Uh, really, really, really good defense in the national championship game last year for Clemson Tigers. And here it is, you know, he's in a, he's in a situation where he has a chance to to learn from. I, I think a a quarterback that's new to the game for us being a starter, having a chance to start uh, and learn. Uh, from what he's doing. So there's no ill feeling at that position right now because last year, I'm more than sure it was an eerie and ill feeling uh, with going with uh, Brock Osweiler and he not actually produced like the money that they were giving him said that he should have produced. 
He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Thursday edition of NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Want to hear from you talking the Texan quarterback situation. You can be a part of the show. Pick up the phone, 832-688-6346. Coming up in less than 15 minutes, we talk Patriot football with Andy Hart from Patriots.com. Cordell, barring injury, I agree. I think it's going to be Tom Savage. However, we know locker rooms take on a certain dynamic. And this was before Deshaun Watson looked good last night, but go back to the comments made last week by DeAndre Hopkins saying, Tom Savage should be the starter. He's my guy. Still, think about what happened in Seattle a few years ago, and I'm not comparing it directly. It's maybe a little bit of a rough analogy, but remember, Russell Wilson was supposed to wait and learn when he was a third-round pick coming out of Wisconsin after he transferred from NC State. There was something special about him. Matt Flynn was just a guy, and Matt Flynn was out the door, so... Could you see Watson blowing past Savage in the remainder of the preseason? I won't necessarily say blow past. I mean, if he plays well enough to be the starter, he will. But I don't think it'll be a blow passing situation. I think because there's still a learning curve. Uh, I know we've seen some quarterbacks play well in their first year. Carson Wentz, I thought he was solid. I thought Dak Prescott played outstanding. uh, Broke some records as a starter on that good football team led with that offensive line and and having a good running game with Ezekiel Elliott, the boys with them stars, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Um, I mean, I thought he played really, really good football, and, and by the help of, I think, a very experienced coaching staff and the team that was seasoned to make a run to a championship. And they came close but lost the first playoff game. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, I, I just think it's, again, it's one of those cases and situations where you just give the young man a chance to just play. Uh, there is no... Uh, like one of those, I want to go with this quarterback or that quarterback, you know, competition. This is just the best man's going to get the job. And it won't be an indictment on the other kid that doesn't get the opportunity to become the starter. So it's it's one of those cases and situations where this is a really healthy one, I would say, for the Houston Texans. Uh, but Deshaun Watson, if he plays well enough when he's with the starters, scores some touchdowns, whether it's with his feet are throwing the football, and he's making decisions with authority uh, when he has his opportunity to start. Make it hard for Bill O'Brien, the head coach, to make a decision. I think the nod may go to Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. If it's close, Deshaun Watson gets it. I would agree, because he can do more. We know what the team invested in him to trade up to draft him coming out of Clemson. First time they've taken a quarterback in the first round since they had the number one overall pick as the expansion team and picked up David Carr, who got beat up behind a terrible offensive line. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the football. Other headline last night, the return of J.J. Watt coming back from the back procedure. Good to see him back on the field. And after the game, he was pleased to be playing competitive football once more. Kind of one of those last things I really was looking forward to getting, in the, you know, checking off in the process, making a tackle, playing live ball, getting hit, stuff like that. So felt really good. Very pleased with it. Bit of a tease, only getting to play like four or five plays and having to come out, but uh, better safe than sorry. And it was great. I'm very lucky, very happy. And don't you know, Bill O'Brien was smiling to have arguably the best defensive player in all of football back on his roster. To come from where he's come from, it's just incredible that he just played an NFL football game. I, I really, I, I'm telling you, I mean, that's, you just think about that, you know, all that he's been through, uh, how special he is to this organization, to be able to go out there and play in an NFL game, that's a pretty, pretty big deal. Cordell with Patriot Conversation on the way in 10 minutes when we say hello to Andy Hart from Patriots.com. Patriots, Jaguars, one of seven games on the schedule tonight. 
Catch them all live on TuneIn Premium. Be sure to upgrade right now to catch every preseason game, every regular season game, home and away call, plus every postseason game on the road to the Super Bowl. If we're slotting the best teams in the AFC, Patriots won. I think we'd both go Pittsburgh two. I have Oakland three. How long would it take you to get to Houston among the premier clubs in the AFC? I don't think it would take that long, to be honest. Uh, when you have a defense that that is as good uh, as this defense will be once they, they figure out how they're going to fill in when it comes to, to Wolfork not being there, to Vince uh, not being in the mix, um, I think that's when they'll find their way uh, because he was a big piece of, of, of how this team was actually playing from a continuity standpoint in the trenches. Uh, you know, Mr. Barbecue Man. Uh, but um, I would put them, if I had to look into the AFC, of course you're going New England. Of course I'm going Pittsburgh. Um, I then may go with the Texans over Oakland. No. Really? Can, I cannot no, do, that. do I can't, that. I can't do that you yet. You tried to talk I yourself into it. Well, I mean, the only reason why I, I'm saying what I'm saying, because on offense, you find a team in the Houston Texans that has a little bit more balance, and then if they get to, uh, Deshaun Watson to play, you end up finding a team that actually have methodical drives, which keeps Oakland's offense on the bench. And then you have a defense that's capable with turnover capabilities, uh, taking it back to the house capabilities. Cause this offense, that's a, that's a strong offense, uh, to sit on the bench. I mean, Oakland's defense is nothing to brag about. I mean, what are they? They're they pretty good. They're, not, they're better than average, but they're pretty good. But they're not as good as the defense we have. Over there with the Houston Texans. So I think it's somewhat, if you strategically game plan against Oakland, what you end up running into is a time of possession situation against the Oakland Raiders. And I think last but not least, uh, the physicality of the game based on how they run the ball with Lamar Miller, with how they actually apply pressure on a quarterback with J.J. Watt and also uh, Jadavion Clowney in the mix. I think you impose an issue for Oakland team uh, that don't play hard in the trenches. Uh, that's not their forte. I mean, of course, yes. All right, you know what? Marshawn Lynch is in. But we don't know for sure what Marshawn Lynch is going to do. And so for me to put Houston before Oakland, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Even the Tennessee Titans, when it comes to the two-headed monsters and Derek Henry and also DeMarco Murray in the backfield with this defense getting better and having conversations about Marcus Mariota maybe getting in a conversation of a potential MVP this year based on what he did last year and hopefully carrying over into this season. So while I love Oakland, and I do say this is – I did say this is a team that will probably be contending to do something special in the AFC. I mean, you got to think about these couple teams. The Houston Texans was a quarterback away. I think the two they have now is much better than Brock Osweiler, and he didn't have J.J. Watt in the mix. Look at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, they add players like the, the Corey Davises of the world at the wide receiver position uh, to a Dory Jackson coming out of USC playing corner in special teams. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a situation where it's nothing's guaranteed for Oakland. While they've gotten some players, and yes, they signed new players, how much progress have they made when it came to free agency in the draft? Enough to say that it can be impactful for this team to actually play against a team like the Houston Texans and also the Tennessee Titans. So those three teams, after the Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots, it's a toss-up for me of who's the third best team after that. But that's my top five. 
That's my top five within it. However you choose to align them, you know, I'll go Tennessee Titans, I'll go maybe Oakland, then the Houston Texans, or Houston Texans, then Oakland. However you choose to do it, it's up to you. But those are the five teams uh, that I think are in line. And, and most importantly, you know, when it comes to competing against a team like the New England Patriots, you got to have a good defense. And which team has the better defense amongst the five? You have to go with the Houston Texans. And so it's just a matter of which quarterback do they start when it comes down to leading this team, uh, and, and, and will Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt have a chance uh, to play all season together, consider that that you have Vince Woolfork that's not in the mix anymore. So that that's going to be a challenge for this defense. But I think Romeo Cornell, uh, I think he goes out, and, and Mike Vrabel, I think they do a good job of, of finding a way to mix it up just a little bit. But there's no guarantee that Oakland is third. This is all, this is all hopeful and wishful thinking. You know, Derek Carr, how's he going to play after being injured with the broken leg? Will he will he be uh, a, a little gun shy, or, or will he be will he be that gunslinger that has a, a tremendous amount of confidence when it's get time to get the ball down the field? So you know, that's my five to answer your question. And and, and I think it, whatever order you choose to put them in, it's up to you. But I think that 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 Houston team with the defense and that Tennessee Titan teams with the offense, man, that those are remedies I think to be able to slow a New England Patriots team down, but it's hard to say that after you see them down 25 and end up beating the Atlanta Falcons in the last Super Bowl. New England, just they're just so unfair. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, checking in with the biggest names and newsmakers from the gridiron. Pleased to be joined now by one of the gentlemen we'll be working with. It's Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly, Patriots.com. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time. Now, Cordell is a pro. You're going to have no issues with him. Are you ready for sizzling hot takes filled with lava from me, hotter than the sun in West Virginia? No question, because I think if anybody needs to get ready for anything, it's you guys need to get ready for us, because we, uh, we play it pretty fast and loose on Patriots.com radio, so we'll, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. All right, the yeah. gauntlet has been thrown. Now be sure to open our time together by asking Cordell about the time the Steelers lost to the Patriots in the playoffs and said the better team didn't win that day. Remember that, Cordell? <laughs> hey, how you doing, Andy? How's everything on, buddy? <laughs> doing well? Cordell, how are you? Oh, you know that guy right there, man. He has a tendency to just go in the wrong direction every time. But let me let me ask you this. Let me ask this question real quick. Are you going to be able to get us Tom Brady to come on and hang out with us? Can you do that? Uh, 
I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if you've noticed, but the only person I've seen Tom Brady do an interview with this offseason was Willie McGinnis. So unless you helped him win a Super Bowl, uh, I don't think he's coming on with us. I did help him win. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's a good point. Maybe we'll bring that up. I did help him win. <laughs> are you kidding me, Andy? I thought you were going to say you were driving fast. And all right, I did help him win. Come on, work with me. Nah, okay, but, good um, point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for you, man. But uh, – this team has has really done an outstanding job of of just being consistent, man. I mean, I, I know you hear it every day. You guys are proud to to cover the team. I know you are. Uh, you, when when it comes come down to covering the team, I mean, what more can you say or do uh, to really explain how a team is efficient and play the game? From what you've seen so far, give me an idea uh, of what it is that they do to to make them different uh, than any other team in the National Football League in their approach to the games. Well, you know, I think one of it is is the environment, and it's amazing how many players you talk to that say it's great to be in a place where the best players actually play, and that sort of competitive environment where Malcolm Butler can go from undrafted nobody who's on a tryout in rookie minicamp to a Pro Bowl corner so quickly, and where guys that are big money guys can wash out so quickly, or big name guys can wash out quickly. And, you know, Coach Belichick says it all the time. It's not how you got here. It's what you do once you get here. But it's one thing for a coach to say it. But then when you hear, and I'm telling you, it's endless guys, you know, Deion Lewis, guys that were sort of bouncing around looking for a home. And he says, it's great to get to a place where it it only matters what you do in training camp. It only matters what you do on the practice field. If you're the better player, like he was in the beginning of the 2015 season, you're going to get the chance to be a playmaker on this team. And I think that competitive environment, which is fostered by the man at the top of it, and I'm not talking about Belichick, but I'm talking about Brady, that is part of what fuels the unique turnover of this team every year and the unique identity. Chatting with Andy Hart from Patriots.com. Looking forward to working with Andy and our friends from the Texans team channel as well here on TuneIn. Special joint audio cast coming up from West Virginia next Tuesday and Wednesday, spotlighting the joint practices between the Patriots and the Texans. Andy, let me take you back to last week. Tom Brady finally had a media availability and said the issue of concussions was no one's business. Is that the end of the story? Is that good enough for you? Um, I don't think he handled that overly well. The rest of his answer there I thought was good, where he sort of said, you know, we're not going to talk about the past and, you know, my family and they worry about me. But quite literally, it is the NFL's business. You know, they have injury reports every week, and those of us that are in the media, those injury reports are part of how we cover the team. And health is a big issue with every team every week. So I thought sort of the the defiance and the dismissal of the question last week wasn't handled well from him. Um, But, you know, going back to when the comments were first made by Giselle, uh, the NFL said, you know, we looked into it. He was never diagnosed with a, con- you know, his agent said never diagnosed with a concussion. The NFL says never listed with a concussion. There's not really much more they can do. And I guess that's how this is going to play out, um, whether we like it or not, or not as reporters or, you know, even other teams that say, oh, no, they're the Patriots up to something again. Well, uh, it doesn't look like there's really any way to pursue this. So I think that's probably going to be the last you'll hear of it because, we know Belichick and Brady are better than anyone else at, at not talking about talking points and moving on from them, and I think that's what they're doing. But, Andy, when, when Tom actually responded that way, I thought it was good, to be honest with you, because it was his wife that actually said this, that started the barn fire, so to speak, 
in, in, in doing having the league to do the research to have all these questions and and I thought he was protecting his wife because if he responds to what she says in the wrong way now she's under the fire and how would you guys and maybe even more pundits you know it goes to national news major networks and before you know it it's like you know Giselle is now being accused of lying and that if he responds any different do you think that's more of the angle that he chose to uh, uh, approach this so that everything can be on him and not necessarily being at or targeted towards his wife? On some level, yes. And, and I do think, you know, they were trying to nip it in the bud as quickly as possible. Um, and I've always said that I, I think getting information from a mother or from a wife is a terrible source. We all know that they look at things a little bit differently. You know, they have as much bias as anyone. Um, so it's, you know, it's quite possible this was sort of just a misunderstanding where, you know, she interprets something he's dealing with one way and, you know, sort of talks about it, but it really was nothing. Um, now it's possible it was more than that. I'm not totally poo-pooing it, but yes, I think the intention of Tom Brady when he spoke for the first time to the open general media since the Super Bowl was to squash this. I just think probably the word choice of it's nobody's business. If he looked back on it now, he would say, I could have probably phrased it differently, but in the end, I think the result is going to be the same. I think it's going to go away. Andy Hart, Patriots.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Andy, let's spotlight the running back position. Patriots busy in the offseason, adding utility, weapon, and Rex Burkhead. Mike Gillisley coming over from the Bills, so you also damage a divisional opponent. But how much do you think they're going to miss LeGarrette Blunt and his 18 rushing touchdowns from last year? You know, my initial reaction is to say not that much. But I also understand to say you're not going to miss a guy who had 299 carries and 18 touchdowns, 1,000 yards. You know, whatever he was, even though it was 3.9 yards per carry and maybe people want more than that, I would like more than that, um, there was a reliability there. And running backs coach Ivan Fears has talked about it. We've got to find somebody who can be big, who can be our big back, who can punch it in on the goal line when we need him to. Now, I think they will find that guy. And I think the guy is Mike Gillisley. As long as he can stay healthy, he's been missing time here with a hamstring injury that actually dates back to OTAs, and, and we all know that's a concern because hamstrings can linger. But he, you know, first day of pads right on the goal line, first live-action goal line against this pretty good run defense, he punched it in twice from the one-yard line and the two-yard line. So I think those touchdowns will come. We've seen guys over the years be able to get them. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis had a double-digit touchdown season. So I think they will find somebody. Maybe it's Rex Burkhead who has been up and down as a goal line runner in, in camp. But if Gillisley's not out there, maybe he gets a chance. So this Patriots team has always found a way on the goal line to punch those touchdowns in. And if they can't, then I think they turn into one-yard Tom Brady touchdown passes to Rob Gronkowski or Dwayne Allen or one of those guys. So um, I, I don't really think LeGarrette Blunt is going to be missed as much as you might normally assume a, an 18-touchdown record-setting season would be missed. Andy, last year they, they did, I think, one of probably the, the most remarkable displays of great football for for 65 minutes uh, that I've ever seen. Um, while it, it seemed like a disaster in the first half, uh, looking like everything but the New England Patriots, uh, end up deciding, deciding to turn on the switch at the latter part of the third quarter and make a run like a team that I've never seen before. Um, when watching that game for you, how were you leading up to the third quarter? 
Uh, and, and then what did you say when you saw this team get to score uh, 20 to 20 and then all of a sudden they get the, well, actually it was 28 to 20, you get the two-point conversion and the touchdown to get it to 28-28 and all of a sudden the team wins the game. I mean, did you lose your voice that night? Did you try to figure <laughs> out how to write this story? Or you just was like, this is how we do it here in New England? Uh, to some degree, um, and I know this sounds like you know spoiled New England viewpoint, it is to some degree y- you expect it. Um, I've always been one of those. I'll, I'll even say going back to 2007, the upset loss in the desert to the Giants, the perfect season. When they came on the field with less than a minute to play, there was a part of me that says, this is how Brady continues to write the story. You know, he goes to Moss here and they win this game. You know, I believed that until the end because I've just seen it so many times where they are able to find a way to win. Um, you know, obviously the Malcolm Butler interception, they find a way to win. It's, you know, they don't call a timeout and it ends up working in their favor against Seattle in Super Bowl 49. Um, so, you know, it's hard to ever close the door on Brady and Belichick. Uh, and I don't think I did. You know, I, I had it pretty much. There was no, you couldn't see any light coming through the door, but it was just a little <laughs> bit ajar. Uh, and then as they start to build that momentum, you say, all right, Falcons, they're coming at you. Can you answer this? And we come to find out they couldn't. You know, they couldn't make the one play they needed. You know, you're in field goal range, and then all of a sudden you're not. They couldn't make the right decision they needed. So, um, you know, when that starts to snowball, it takes the other team to stop the snowball, and the Falcons were just never able to do that. And then it leaves everybody in New England rewriting their stories, and it leaves the Boston Globe with a little egg on their face from their early edition going to Florida with the – picture of a pick six interception and, and saying this is how the season ends, but that's not how the season ends. More often than not, when Brady's in, in control of that huddle, the season ends with him uh, hoisting a Lombardi trophy, and it's uh, made for a lot of spoiled fans up here in New England. Andy, last one for me. The players can't talk about it. I know Belichick would shut it down, but you have some editorial control. When you do a week-by-week analysis, is it delusional to talk about the possibility the Patriots could have an undefeated season? Absolutely not. Um, Will it happen? Am I predicting it right now? No, but it's by no means delusional. Now, my boss, Fred Kirsch, who you and I, you've met, you've done radio with occasionally. We got together at the Super Bowl. Uh, He thinks it's disrespectful to the rest of the National Football League, and it's ridiculous to say such things right now, but I look at a Patriots team that lost two games during the regular season last year. It lost one of those because it had to play a third-string rookie quarterback, um, didn't really have a game plan because they expected the backup to play, and they only lost one of the four games with Brady out. And then the second game they lost was to a really good Seattle team, and they kind of screwed up and admitted they were trying to run the clock out and not just score at the end of the game. If they don't do that, they might have gone undefeated last year. And I personally think this team is better this year. You know, if you look at the team that walked off the field in Houston, compare it to this one, I'll take this one, even though they haven't proven a damn thing yet. Uh, I think they're more talented on both sides of the football. They have more playmakers. They have more versatility uh, on both sides of the football. I, I just think it's a better football team. Now, they have a tough schedule. They play some really good offenses, but it's not by mistake that they have suddenly have one of the best cornerback duos in the league when you add Gilmore to Malcolm Butler. Um, they have a tough stretch later in the season where they play a bunch of road games, whatever it is, five out of six weeks. That's not easy, but they're the Patriots. They're going to be, you know, Vegas tells you they're going to be favored in every game they play. And they bring Tom Brady to the field and more depth and versatility than they have in a while. So, yeah, I think it's a possibility that they could go undefeated this year.
I'm with you. I was filling in for Jim Rome today and flowed that notion. And, of course, that audience didn't want to hear it because your team is a bit <laughs> polarizing nationally. Andy, we appreciate the information. Look forward to working with you next week in West Virginia. And let Tom Brady know Cordell's looking for him when we get there, okay? Will do. I'll let Tom know that Cordell helped him get a Super Bowl ring once. That's right. He wants payback <laughs> now in an interview this week in West Virginia. <laughs> Even Thanks, out the Andy. ledger. Thank you, Andy. Look forward to next week. See you, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to hear exclusive interviews with SZA. And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know. Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from. I pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music. So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's tackle a story that has a few twists and turns taking us out of bounds. On the gridiron, there are clear lines to follow. But from time to time, there's a story that takes us out of bounds. Crazy, deranged situation. It's No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell, occasionally I change my mind right. about National Lazy Day. That's a sign of a strong intellect. You don't want to sit there and just stick with an opinion just to be stubborn. You got to be flexible. You have to evolve. Still, some things never change. Death, taxes, and my belief in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we know the challenging past. Feels like for five years, before we even teamed up, I've been saying on the radio, this is the year the Jaguars break through. Didn't work out last year, 3-13, and but you had the coaching change, Tom Coughlin changing the culture of the team. If I give you one of two possibilities, you can't say both or maybe or split it down the middle. Either the Jags get the 500 or the Patriots have an undefeated season. What do you think is more likely? Wow. Uh... Which one can happen first? I would say the Patriots get 16 and 0. <laughs> Jaguars ain't get five wins, bro. They look can't. At the team. I mean, Come yeah, on, they're not that at, bad. Yeah, they're not that good. Uh, just, I mean, you got Blake, what is it? Blake Bortles. Yes, can I give you yeah. a quick Blake Bortles story? Give me something. So give I'm, me something. <laughs> I'm going through the websites, and, and I do have a perverse fascination with the Jaguars. So I'm yeah, you do. going through their sound, and they had an early visit to New England to work out with the Patriots, like the Patriots are going to train with the Texans next week. And we're going to be there. A reminder, I know I am saying this frequently, but I want you to enjoy every minute of our special coverage. Joint audio cast from West Virginia. We're taking the show on the road next Tuesday and Wednesday, special time. 11 a.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. in the afternoon, teaming up with our friends from the Patriot Team channel and the Texans Team channel. Tomorrow we'll have a conversation with Mark Vandermeer, longtime play-by-play voice of the Houston Texans. So I'm watching the videos. Blake Bortles is talking about, and no joke, Cordell, adjusting his body clock based on the travel from Jacksonville to New England. Did Blake forget something? Last time I checked, Cordell, I'm not that great with geography. Florida is in the same eastern time zone as New England, correct? Yes, it is. Most definitely. Okay, so what was Blake talking about? Just having a conversation, man. <laughs> get a guy a pass. You know, I mean, sometimes some things come out just 
maybe because it has to, some noise has to be made. But you know, I mean, what more do you expect from Jacksonville? Huh? I mean, you th- you know, I know you want five wins, half, you know, five hundred. I gave team. you eight, eight. You're you're not even gonna give them five no, wins. No, I'm not giving you five. I well, they you three. beat the Jets. No, they won't beat the Jets. Where, <laughs> where they're playing? Tough. Where they're playing? It's a home game for the Jets in New Jersey. There you go. It's not happening. Uh, what's my man's name that's beating the, the snare all the time? What's his name? The the, the, the beating the drum. <laughs> I mean, he has the hard hat on. He. <laughs> J E T. Oh, Fireman Ed. Yes, yes. Fireman Ed. I mean, it's it's. I just think, you know, they have fans that's going to come out and have a good time. I just don't think Blake Bortles will be able to do it. Uh, the way some, but I tell you what, my man Leonard Fournette, Chris Ivory, I think they're going to put on a good show this year. I think they get to a point where they can get five wins and lose okay. a game by three. All right, but but they it, lose yeah. that game. They, they got to win the game to get five wins, and they lose it by three. They get well, come close. They should gonna... beat the Jets. Would you concede they'll at least be better this year? Oh, that happened overnight. I mean, literally. Okay. I mean, they they have a a running game. That I think that will be respectable before you without even seeing it just on display, just because you bring a Leonard Fournette and you have a Chris Ivory in the backfield, you uh, and then you have Coach Coughlin. I mean, come on, I mean, what do you what do you think I'm cray cray as you would say? Thank you. Keep uh, going. Hey, look, they picked up Malik Jackson. All last right, now year. stop right there. Now you're going too far. You're getting no, excited. No, hey, you, you're Mal- really starting to amp up right now. I, I, I'm excited because we're talking Jaguar football. Nick Ferguson going to join us tomorrow. We're going to double team you with Jacksonville oh, inside. Picked up Malik Jackson. Remember his hot take that our Jaguars are going undefeated this year. I won't go that far. Right. Calais Campbell, another veteran coming over. Jalen Ramsey coming back from the core injury. He's got swagger. There is talent on that team. This team has more skill than half the clubs in the NFL. Half? Yeah, Jacksonville is not that bad. They've underachieved. I Dude, agree. you said half, though. Half. You didn't say a few. Half, Eddie. You I said half. half. You yes. didn't say half of the half. You said half. Do I have to tell you who they're better than? Let me do this so quickly. So you're saying they're better than all the NFC or all of the AFC? <laughs> do I have to do this quickly? Here we go. <laughs> they have more talent than the Jets, more talent than the Browns, probably more talent than the Colts. You've seen that starting lineup. Well, let's start with the quarterback with the Jets. Go back. Yes. Okay. I'll give the nod to Josh McCown on this one. Over Blake Bortles. Yes, I will. Oh, you, you, you no, sound look, surprised. Hang on. Blake Bortles has as many pick sixes as career starts. I understand right, the dilemma. Okay, there. Right. So now McCown you're trying is, to get out of that one. You set jo- yourself up into that rat trap. But Josh McCown is the personification of a journeyman. No one wants Josh McCown. Hey, listen, listen. You, you know, we're not trying to figure out how they got to where they are. You're basically saying we're trying to break down which team is better. Josh McCown wins that battle. The backfield, I would say, of course, goes to Jacksonville. The receiving core, Jacksonville. Offensive Clearly. line, Wash. Okay. Defense, I go with the Jets. I like Jamal Anderson. I like Mo Wilkinson. Uh I mean, I give them that. Coaching staff, I'm going with Todd Bowles. (laughs) Uniform, going with the Jets. Wait a minute. You love teal. You're the one saying we need more teal here at Tunis. Well, I get paid to wear this color. I don't get paid to look at that (laughs) stuff they have going on over there with Jacksonville. I don't get paid to do that. I get paid to do this, and I love our teal. Our teal is – you did not – have you not gone? Have you not seen what we had behind us at Radio Row and uh-huh. also at the Combine, dude? It was unbelievable. Everybody loved our teal. I mean, it's, we just we just rocking the teal. It's just when you start putting gold and black, and then you're losing. That's when teal start getting a little. I mean, even Miami Dolphins teal looked really good this year with the white face mask, white helmets. We're doing good. 
Our teal is the best teal out of the game. But I, I, but I'm telling you, the Jets is a better team than Jacksonville. I just think Jacksonville's oh, team. Here's the deal with Jacksonville. I think they're a little bit more ambitious than the Jets is because of how much the Jets lost. They're a little more anxious. I think the fire has been lit there down in Jacksonville because of Tom Coughlin coming in with this new approach uh, that's been pretty stale with Jacksonville. I know they have Jalen Ramsey. I know they have – who else am I mixed uh, – Khalil Mack, no, it's not Khalil Mack, it's, it's Malik Jackson, excuse me. Right, Calais uh, Campbell came yeah, over from Arizona. They spent a lot that. of money on defense. Hey, man, I, yeah, I mean, people people spend a lot of money all the time. Um, but I just think still they go on the road against the Jets team. Now, the only way Jacksonville wins that game is that they run the football. If it's Blake Bortles, that, that, is, that is a part of why they may win. They're losing. They're done. Done. Can't get it done. But keep it out of his hands. Give it to the running game. Give it to these players on the defensive side of the football. Hopefully Jalen Ramsey is good with his come to his core area, his abs, and and and, and having to what have minor surgery uh, to make sure everything was well put together. But he's one of the most explosive sick and secondary players in the game. He's just in a in a marketplace where they don't get too much pub and push because of course they're losing. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I still think the Jets prevail and, and get that victory over your Jacksonville Jaguars. Thank you. And let me clarify a stat because it didn't make much sense. But with Blake Bortles, it would have been possible. As many pick sixes as career victories. Because wow. think about last year, just three wins. Not a lot of winning in Jacksonville. All right, Cordell, that's fine. You told me the Jets could go 0-16, but they're better than Jacksonville. I said, everything is could. I didn't say will. Well, that's what we do. It's a talk Jacksonville, show we talk. And Jacksonville could win five games. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, that's, how do you want to do this? I mean, we could play whatever game you want to. I just think the more realistic thing when it comes down to Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville's going to go up there with an attitude. Tom Coughlin's going to be back into the stadium that he once was a head coach in uh, that shared with the Jets and the Giants. Uh, he's going to be in a stomping ground, so he's going to have something to prove. I just think this team – and the, and the Jets just just take over and, and win. Okay, I'm believe sorry. you me, nobody's going to be more hyped for that game that the rest of the country will ignore. Jacksonville versus the New York Jets in this program. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.